pipe, oh, and it's blocked, yeah. and it is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Welcome in Houdat. Inside Black and Gold, your post OTA edition, Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak here. We'll be getting into plenty of player sound and also giving you our takeaways of our first session. And I love how the Cajun Cannon and Mike Dettelier always say, you know, guys running around in pajamas, Jeff. Yeah, it's our, it's our post OTA and also kind of pre OTA edition because that's going to be the next three weeks is of reacting to OTAs and getting ready for OTAs. Um, this is yes, the first session. One of one of my first note, and we have a bunch of notes here that we're going to go through. My first note to kind of get to your point is sleeveless Derek Carr, <laughs> which like I don't know why that struck me that he just is out there sleeveless. But like I don't, I can't remember the last time I saw a Saints quarterback not wearing sleeves. I don't know. I just thought it was very funny. He's yeah, yeah used to that California weather, and I guess sleeves are not required out there. I do wonder, I haven't asked him and I keep meaning to, it's like, did they practice outside with the Raiders? I imagine they did. So we keep talking about how it's hot. And I'm like, it's not hotter here than it, than it is in Vegas. I, I, I was just in Vegas. It's an oven. It's just like a different type of heat. It's more like a convection oven than like a frying pan, which is like what New Orleans is. Yeah, like you said, I don't even know if the, if the Raiders have an indoor practice facility that they utilize. They must. I mean, they have to. It, it, like Physically speaking, they have to. It's just really a question of, like, for example, the last year Sean was here, they were inside basically the entire training camp. Right. I mean, they practiced outside like maybe four times. Whereas last year with DA, they were outside the entire month of August. So it's just kind of a, it's just kind of interesting. But I have to imagine Vegas is similar in that, like, it's dangerous to be out there for a majority of the month of August in the middle of the desert. I just did a quick Google and it, I did, you know, OT, uh, OTAs, training camp, Raiders, and it shows them outside. So it's that's kind of interesting. Yeah. I don't see any indoor fit pictures. Well, if they're anything like the Saints, you won't because they don't let you take That's them. true. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but all right, let's start this off by, you know, I feel like uh, I was pretty close to being spot on with the absentees. There was a couple I wasn't expecting, um, but the ones that, that a majority of the folks who weren't there we basically could have guessed they weren't going to be there. So there was 10 players that were not present. As we expected, no DeMario Davis, no Michael Thomas, no Marshawn Lattimore, no Alvin Kamara. Like that's kind of like the skill positions, veterans, whatever, you could get it. And and I'm of the belief that as opposed to being annoyed that they're not there, I think it's actually helpful that they're not there in the sense that the young running backs, the new running backs, the new wide receivers, the new cornerbacks, right? Those reps are va- more valuable to them than they would be to a Marshawn Lattimore or an Alvin Kamara. So, like, I want to see Jamal Williams get all the work he can get, and that's what happened. Um, so those guys, could, you, you could probably throw uh, Taysom in that mix too, huh? Yeah, well, yeah, Taysom's an interesting one. That's why I kind of kind of aside. So yeah, Taysom wasn't there yeah. either, 
And I think this is something we talked about in the last episode, and it's and I talked to Mike Detelier about it too. If Taysom was in contention to be a quarterback on this team, totally different, right? Hundred percent would be there. The second he's a tight end, it's like, yeah, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> and I agree with it. I'm a hundred percent on board. Good for him. And it's like it really is. It's a veteran thing. Like anyone on a rookie deal who is not there, that raises a red flag to me. And so we're gonna get down this. JT Gray, team captain, not there. I'm cool with that. Ryan Ramchek, he know what Ryan is. You don't need to see him there. He's, that's fine. Please James get healthy. Hurst right. James Hurst surprises me. It's He wasn't there last year either, so it's nothing new. Uh, I guess when you're a veteran and you know what your role is, it's like, okay. Yeah, the, the Hurst one wasn't as much as a surprise, but the next name you mentioned, I guarantee, was a, the surprise to me. Yes, and that's the 10th and final player who was not there, and that's Nick Saldaveri, the fourth-round rookie. Oh, no, I thought you were going to say Andrews Pete. Oh, I, I missed Andres Pete. Andres Pete's not there. You are correct. Yeah, I was like, what, do you, what were you doing not being there, Andres? Come on. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you're on your second or third deal. It's OTAs. So you can not be there. He's not fighting for his job. It's really, for him, it's a health question. I think James yeah. Hurst is actually a bigger question because I think there is a scenario where he's still competing with Trevor Penning in training camp. Whereas not being there would almost indicate that you're like comfortable with like, maybe I'm going to be the backup guard or the backup tackle. I don't know. But the, so <laughs> to, to, to move on to the next one, which is the one I already said was the rookie Nick Saldaveri is not there. And that is the only absence that I think is concerning because he is dealing with a calf injury. Uh, I don't know when it happened. I don't know if it happened at rookie camp. I don't know right. if it happened somewhere in between that during a workout, but it was enough to keep him away from the facility or at least off the field to where we didn't see him. I don't know if he was there. But for reference, there was a handful of players that were dealing with injuries that were there, right? You had Trevor Penning, Cesar Ruiz, Eno Benjamin, Kendry Miller, and Miller Forrestal. Those last year are a little confusing. All work all off to the side. And one of the one of the helpful things about those weird foam helmets is it's a good way to tell who's involved and who's not. Because if they don't have a foam helmet on, they're not really doing the work. Um, like, you know, Benjamin, I wasn't sure at first whether he was involved, but then I was like, wait, he doesn't have a foam helmet. He's not really doing anything. So whatever Nick is dealing with, it is enough that he wasn't out there at all, which makes me wonder if it was something that happened at rookie camp. And so they knew in advance that he wasn't going to be there. And because when, when we talked to Dennis, it didn't sound like a surprise. Like it didn't sound like this was something that happened this week. Um, but either way, it's something to watch. Yeah, I was even surprised that Dennis even let us know, oh, he's dealing with the cap issue. Yeah, see, but like we've talked about this before, and I think if we talked about this in camp, is he will. He'll tell us. Like he told us when Taysom was dealing with a rib injury. He told I, us when Michael Thomas was dealing with a hamstring injury. He will He will be forthright about the, the ailments in camp way more than Sean ever would have been. I was going to say, yeah, I guess I'm still so used to Sean yeah. Payton's dealings that I was like, whoa, he actually gave us information. Well, I remember having this exact conversation last year when Taysom Hill was quote unquote dealing with a rib, right? That's yeah. how he phrases it. Whereas Sean would say, oh, he tweaked uh, something, right? Like he tweaked his head. He has a concussion. <laughs> but Dennis would be, oh, he's dealing with a blank. So right. it's at least helpful to know what it is. And he doesn't get mad when we ask, which I think is helpful too. Like Sean would, I feel like has trained everyone to be like, okay, you, you better need to ask that question. If you're going to ask that question. Cause then I'm done because, with you too. Right. I'm shutting yes. down. But yeah. So Nick Saldivari, I mean like in terms of training camp injuries, if that's the injury you're dealing with, you're the guy who is probably going to be a backup this year. Anyway, as a rookie, you could be worse, right? All the injuries are on the offensive side of the ball, which is interesting, right? 
It's three offensive linemen, two running backs, and a tight end. Now, we don't know if Michael Thomas, what his status is. That's another one on the offense. We don't know if any of the defensive players who stayed away are nursing anything. I don't think they are. But, yeah, so that's that's the notable thing from the – and it's, it's funny. The first OTAs is like, okay, who's not here? The second OTA is kind of like, okay, who got hurt at the first OTA? <laughs> and, and then who's, right. who's different there now? But I thought 80 out of 89 players – whatever it was, I feel like that's a solid number. I don't think there's any any qualms to be made about guys not being there. No, that was definitely much better than last season. I feel like there was close to 20 guys that might have not been around for OTAs, at least the, the start of OTAs last season. Yeah, I can't, I can't recall. Um, and I think part of it is is a lot of new players, right? Like Jamal Williams, he's going to be there. There's no question. And did you see he was wearing that anime mask? Very cool. Yeah, like like Alvin has a NASCAR mask and, and well, Jamal has an anime mask. One we talked about too. I was definitely surprised. I don't want to say surprised, but you're like, oh, Taran Matthew is here. Yeah, but, yeah. And, and he, he mentioned too, though, year two. It's like I'm still getting you know really acquainted with things, and I felt like year two, I, I needed to be here, kind of deal. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because he we, he did he was asked about that, and I think he just he feels kind of like an ownership of of the group right? right like he's he's a veteran and he embraces that um and this is what he had to say about working with the younger players uh when he was in you know, i always try to take the dbs under my wing um you know i was just over there with him they was asking me where to eat at you know what i mean like just just you know rookie questions you know uh so i think a lot of those guys look up to me um, so, you know, I think for me, you know, just being here, you know, uh, being available for those guys, um, you know, I think they all can kind of, you know, benefit from it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just how, like he, he is the dad in the, in the DB room, right? Like he's the, he's the wise old guy who's still good enough to play. And, and I, I appreciate that approach because I think teams benefit from that. He talked about it last year. Like one of the things that he values in a DB room or in a, in a roster is not just being, casual teammates on a field he thinks he kind of approaches it as like in a more holistic way like oh yeah i want this group to be connected to feel like they there's investment in each other like he he values like going out to dinners and and stuff and getting to know people as your teammates and i think that that's just the type of habit that if you're a rookie coming into the nfl you might not know you might not know exactly how to handle yourself and him being there is very helpful to those young players. And I think he appreciates that. And that's part of the reason he makes sure to be there. Yeah. Just another solid, you know, type of leader like you have with Cam Jordan. It's just amazing that that dude, you know, he doesn't need to be there and he just wants to play and wants to be around anything football. I feel Cam Jordan is like that, that pigskin junkie, I guess you could kind of say. Yep. You, you set him up and I'm going to play another clip. Well, you know, I would say the thing, um, that I've been most impressed with with those guys is that they've been here. Um, you know, those guys are proven. Those guys are, you know, some of them are champions. Some of you know, they've played at the highest level, Pro Bowls, all the kind, all that kind of stuff. But they've been here, and that that says a lot to me. You know, you know, when guys are here and different guys get ready for the season different ways. Um, you know, but when I walked in, like I didn't expect to see them. You know, but I walked in and they're in there and they're working, they're grinding. You're like. It makes sense. You know, it makes sense why when you need a play, they're the one that makes the play. You know, when we need a pick, Tyron's the one that picks it. You know, you need a tackle for a loss or a big play, on the, they're the ones that make the play. And it, you know, consistently working like that, you know, it shows, you know, we're out here at practice. They're in the practice. You know, they're playing. You know, they're not just 
you know, doing nothing. And they're in the individual drills. They're coaching. They're pushing. And you can tell all they want to do is win. And so um, it's been impressive to watch. I've been really impressed. You know, I, I've thought the world of them from afar, um, obviously. Um, but being on the same team with them and seeing them, the day-to-day work, because everyone can do it every now and then. You know, it's hard to do it for 10 years. You know, it's it's hard to be consistent. It's hard to do those things. And like we talked about consistency earlier, those guys model consistency because they're here and they push their teammates. It's awesome. Yeah, and he's talking about Tyron Matthew and Cam Jordan. That was Derek Carr. I almost called him David. Uh, I was Derek Carr saying the same things we did like he is equally impressed with the work ethic of players that you know we've grown accustomed to seeing how hard they work um and I don't think that's a again I don't think that's a slight to the players who aren't there and like no one's going to question Demario Davis's work ethic right but I do think it's you know it's like these are team leaders for a reason and I think that's part of the reason this Saints team is so consistent especially on the defensive side of the ball because you have guys in there like a Cam Jordan like a Tyron Matthew I definitely love that one part to Derek Carr when he said, you know, anybody can do it one season. Right. You know, these guys know what it takes to be that on that level where you want to be that all pro pro bowler or whatever. Being a constant producer for your team is definitely going to take putting the work in. Yeah, you got to be a crazy person, right? You got to yeah. be a crazy person over a long period of time. And like you can gauge talent. You can't gauge work ethic. Ten, five years down the road and you know that's that's why like cam jordan like the last podcast or two ago i can't remember i talked about how you know it's cam jordan's credentials as a hall of famer and it's like he's probably going to make the hall of fame and it's not going to be because he ever had a, like, a 20 sack season or he put up these insane numbers it's going to be because he was available every game for 15 years which is like you could count on one hand the number of defensive ends who have been able to do that. Anyway, let's let's move on to some observations. So, so sleeveless Derek Carr, I kind of use that as a as a jumping off point too. He's getting comfortable. He is learning. He's as he puts it, asking questions of like, okay, I'm just going to throw it up to this guy and see what happens and see how he reacts and how he works. He was eight for eight in team drills on day one. Nothing crazy, although he did put up a duck to Chris Olave that Chris saved his bacon on, which, you know, good. Like that's, there's value there. Like not, not every pass is going to be perfect. You need your receivers to make you look good. And he did that. So I thought Derek Carr on day one looked like he may be adjusting. Like he said, like one play, he stood there waiting for the play to come in his headset. And that's just not how the Saints do it. Like Pete Carmichael tells him to play. And he took him a while to be like, oh, wait, yeah, I have to go over there. So he's getting used to it. He's learning the language. But I think for, to come out and be that, efficient and accurate and running the offense the way he was on day one. I think that's a good sign. Yeah. You mentioned that pass to Chris Olave and yeah, it it wasn't pretty, but the good thing about it, we saw Olave going up, making a contested quote unquote catch. Obviously they're not in pads and everything right now, but still that was a big complaint last season that the guy wasn't, you know, so aggressive to go get the ball. And yeah, he did that. Well, day one with Carr, so I think that's a huge positive. But yet, yeah, no, no big bulking up from Olave in his frame that I, I could really see. He, he still looks really the same size. I didn't, I didn't know if I he was going to put on any mass in the off season, but it doesn't seem like he's added any bulk to him, kind of deal. I, I mean, I, I haven't gotten a close enough look to you know. I, yeah, I don't it know. Just didn't like, appear, I'll say. It's tough because you're talking about like, okay, maybe five pounds, right? And it could be like, I think part of it's just the lower body. Like he needs his legs need to get stronger so that he can kind of fight, right? And I I don't know, like, we'll see. I also think it's kind of a mentality thing of like, 
Now you need to be able to fight through contact and make catches. Like it's not all about being heavier. And I, I, I don't know about that catch. I think it's nice to see him do it because it's something he did struggle with last year. I also think it's like, okay, Marcus, what were you doing? Marcus right, made exactly. Coverage, like you're going to go do something about that. <laughs> uh, and then at the same time, it's like, okay, if they're in pads and the safety feels like he can go hit a guy, probably runs through him a little bit and either knocks it away or makes a catch. So it's nothing crazy, but uh, you know, I, I think like the chemistry between Carr and Chris Olave, the chemistry between Carr and Judd Juan Johnson, who made a really nice catch up the seam, that's good to see on day one. And you kind of build out from there. He, he completed a majority of passes to tight ends. I think five of them went to tight ends. I was going to say, even Lucas Kroll had a good day. Lucas Kroll had a good day. Juwan Johnson, Foster Morrow, obviously, and we'll talk more about Foster Morrow in the second segment, looks very much like Foster Morrow. That's all. Like, that's the best That's the best and worst thing I can say about him is he looks exactly like I remember Foster Moreau looking. And that's – if, if you didn't know any better, you would just be like, oh, yeah, look, Foster. He's out there. That's definitely a connection just because, obviously, the familiarity with David Carr. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to see that more come, you know, these other OTAs we get to, mandatory minicamp and going into training camp. Because, yeah, just uh, excited about that, that Derek Carr has – that quote-unquote security blanket that he is familiar with already. Yeah, and Brian Edwards is there too. Uh, one right. thing Foster said was he was actually slow getting off the line a couple times, but like it was not with Derek Carr. It was with Jay Kaner. It was with Jameis Winston, who I thought Jameis looked good. I, I enjoyed seeing him out there. It's nice to see him running around, you know, oh, with great. no issues. Right. Right. Um, this time last year, that was not the case. So it's good to see. One guy that I think had a rough day was A.T. Perry. Oh, Yeah. And it's like he's the athleticism is there. The size is there. He's smooth. He needs to be able to make contested catches, back shoulder catches. He got four chances to do it. And the only one he made was the was the underthrown ball that wasn't really that didn't really have anything to do with size. He actually caught it around his hip. It was a good catch. But like he had a really nice ball from Jameis Winston. They could have just put his foot in the ground and gone up on and made a catch. He had two from Jay Kaner that he didn't come down with. And, uh, you know, that's, it's the first OTA practice. I'm not going to overreact to it, but like he's getting those opportunities for a reason. And that's the reason he's in the NFL is because like, that's the type of catch he should be able to make. So I think he's going to have to get better there, but it was not a great start for him. Let's put it that way. No, like you mentioned too, it's like, Oh, Hey, this is going to be, you know, the, the big reason that we all figured that, he was brought in was to be that quote unquote contested catches guy. And then it's like, Oh great. Three drops day one. That's, yeah. that's not the impression you want to make at all. Another one who had a rough day veteran Traquan Smith had a drop and you're just shaking your head. Like what, <laughs> you know, what are you doing? But he can block. Yay. <laughs> he was also uh, in the special teams drills for, I'm going to go through the list of gunners to see like, these are the players that we're going to, one of them is going to be a gunner. Anyway. Um, the other guy who had a rough day, Yasir Durant, and I only know it because Doug Marone was chewing him out. <laughs> I think he just misidentified the mic. He was going the wrong direction. It was actually on a nice run by Jamal Williams. So, like, Yasir Durant blowing up an assignment didn't affect it. But, like, if when you see something like that and you're just like, okay, there's going to come a point in this offseason where they have to cut some players. Is he going to be toward the top of the list, right? Um, so that's that's one to keep in mind. Jamal Williams also had a rough day in the receiving game. He had a couple drops and I don't know how much he's going to be used in that regard. Like that's yeah. not, obviously not his best skill set to begin with, 
But he talked big game when he got here about how he could do it all. He was an all-around running back, and it's not about a short yardage situation. But you gotta, you know, you gotta kind of uh, put your money where your mouth is there, and he'll get better. I just thought like on day one, it, he didn't put forward his best foot in the receiving game. No, and he definitely knew it after that second drop. He you know hit the floor and did some push-ups. Yeah, well, hit the hit the turf. One guy who looks good in a new number is Rashid Shahid. I think he looks a little bigger, but I don't know if that's just like an optical illusion because he's wearing 22 now. And I'm like seeing him as a defensive back, <laughs> kind of like how Pete Werner has always felt small to me. Like I always see him and think he looks small as a linebacker, but I'm pretty sure it's because he's wearing 20 and that's not a linebacker number. And there's like some weird connection in my head where 20 is a small guy. So maybe that's what's going on with Rashid. But I do think that, he bulked up a little bit and um, he wasn't in the locker room. We didn't get to talk to him, but I am going to ask him when I do see him. Cause he does, I don't know. See, he looks a little different in some way. And I don't know if it's just the number. Yeah. Hopefully if he did bulk up, obviously that speed has not been dropped. Right. DeMarco Jackson. And he was in him, on right? first team, first team drills for the linebackers. And obviously DeMario Davis isn't there. So that opens up a spot. Um, but I don't think that's a coincidence either. I think this team wants to see DeMarco Jackson. He's going to be heavily involved throughout the preseason. Um, so get, I think we're, we need to get used to seeing him and get an understanding of what he can actually do because they didn't sign any linebackers. They didn't bring anyone in. Yeah, They're, The group they have is going to be the group that, that contributes. And that group no longer includes Caden Ellis. So if Pete Werner goes down, if DeMario Davis goes down, who's taking that spot? I think he's going to have a chance there. No, I, I thought that was something that definitely stood out to me is like you you looked at that group day one and no DeMario Davis out there. And it was like, wow, that the position is really thin depth wise, at least with proven uh, talent. And they, they seem kind of like to be a, a smaller group to me. The Saints linebackers aren't very big, minus DeMario. I mean, I think that's just a trend in the NFL is linebackers yeah. are getting smaller, right? Yeah, right, that, that, right. That, they're basically like if you compared a modern linebacker to a safety from the 70s, they'd feel, I feel like they would be pretty close in size, like in athleticism. It's just how the NFL works now. Anthony Orgy, I, th- I thought he moved well and definitely excited to see more from him kind of thing. Yep, Orgy. And then Bond is the big guy. Bond is the linebacker. Yeah. So he's got to be the Sam, right? The guy, the position that never gets on the field. But yeah. Okay, so we'll go through the list of the gunners that I wrote down. These are all the players that got a snap at as a gunner. Um, and I think that's this is the group that you're kind of choosing one from. Or maybe two, because you're probably going to want to back up uh, on game days to JT Gray. You probably want to back up to both. So let's say three of these players probably end up on the roster with gunner responsibilities. I don't know if they're going to do other things, but JT Gray is going to be one, and you know that. And then these are the others. So... Adrian Fry, who's a UDFA, probably not, right? Uh, Jonathan Abram, I think, is a very realistic possibility. Alante Taylor, another very realistic possibility. Paulson Adebo, again, I think whoever wins the starting cornerback battle between them, the other one is going to have a really good shot to be the gunner. Makes <laughs> on sense, special. right. Kirk Merritt, where is 33 now, worked with the running backs yesterday or Tuesday, which, you know, nothing new, but... Last year, it took him a while in the training camp before that started. Now it's just kind of how it is. Too obviously, the, the running back numbers just being down. Uh, you didn't have Kamara. You didn't have, what's his name? The, the rookie not participating, Kendra Miller either. Kendra, and, 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 you know. and Emio Joe, right, exactly. So there you go. Yeah. 
I, I do wonder if maybe then when the numbers get more reasonable, he shifts over wide receiver. But then Ugo Amadi, Jordan Howden, I don't know. Uh, one of them's a rookie draft pick. So I feel like you're going to be looking for excuses to get him on the field. Ugo um, got the number zero. Yes, he does. He does. <laughs> it's weird to see. Yes. Uh, Lonnie Johnson Jr., Lonnie. another guy who is interesting. Isaac Yadam, who was a gunner last year and I think performed pretty well. So I think he's got a good shot. And then a bunch of wide receivers, which is interesting because I think you're trying to find a second use for these end of the roster wide receivers. And whichever one of them stands out and can contribute on special teams has a really good chance to make the roster between A.T. Perry, Kawan Baker, Shaq Davis, Brian Edwards, and Traquan Smith. All of them got snaps at Gunner. I don't think as a 6'3 wide receiver, you have a much chance of a being being a gunner. <laughs> it just like doesn't make sense. But hey, you know, give him a chance. And then Troy Pride Jr. So that's the list of uh, all the gunners that we've seen. Just in general, you, you know, you mentioned with Kawam Baker, he was just a seventh round pick in 2021, but I'm still waiting to see something from him that makes me grab, you know, grabs my attention kind of thing. I feel like he's won a different number every offseason, too. Like, every time I see him, it's like, oh, wait, who's 15? Who's that? Oh, oh, right. I impressed Doug Mouton. I've already committed most of this roster to memory because at one point during the practice, he was like, who's number 34? And I was like, Sir Roderick Johnson. And he was like, who? Right, huh? (laughs) How did you know that? He's worth 34. Anyway, yeah, we should play. One of these podcasts, we should have a contest. (laughs) I think we did that one uh, when we were going down a bunch of guys. Yeah, I don't know why. It's just it's it's something I'm good at. Anyway, all right. Let's wrap up this segment. We're going to come back and we're going to play some more audio. I want to get into Foster Morrow and what he was talking about. I want to get into more from Juwan Johnson. And I was able to talk to Tyron Matthew. We talked to Cesar Ruiz, too. So I'd like to get into some of that. Keep it locked on Inside Black and Gold. Go. 